to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine, with Reliant Lithium Batteries providing the juice. I am David Shong, and with me is Danny Blanford. Danny, were you able to wet any lines this past weekend at all? Yeah, we got to sneak in a little tournament down in Kentucky, and, uh, you know, it was a grinder. And uh, But we did, we did all right. We ground out our limit, and... Uh, kind of held our own and that's the one tournament trail we fished that we fished for some points and try to make it to team of the year there's some nice prizes of that and uh so i don't know defended defended some territory other than that we didn't make much progress okay so no win though so no, no win. win no okay. win right around that 10 10 cut line and they pay nine places so <laughs> been there before yeah I, you know same thing here like my buddy asked me to do a, a very quick kind of somewhat semi-impromptu tournament on a local lake so we did that probably 10 pounds 10 and a half pounds and it took 16 to win so i'm like it, it, what was it things progress a lot quicker because i think uh yeah they were on beds and staging up and stuff like that we're like i thought they would be but they were a lot shallower than i thought they were going to be but it is what it is but you know uh but i guess the guy who's joining us this week <laughs> right who is de who's definitely had a a better weekend fishing uh, tournament fishing at least than us uh and probably still celebrating this win um with friends and family but we've got elite series winner from the lay lake event and bass nation representative will davis jr on board here congratulations will and welcome to the show uh thank you so much i appreciate y'all having me on so well did you have this event circled on your calendar uh yes sir i actually didn't want to come to this event um I, well let's rephrase that i didn't want this uh tournament or this lake on the schedule just because of all the years it took to to uh find all these places and you know i didn't want to expose that but you know it worked out and i won so it was worth it did you feel any extra pressure going into this event since it's so close to home? Um, I, I'd be lying if I said no, but just a little bit, you know, because I really want to do good in front of my own crowd, you know, and my family. Um, I knew if I could win, it would definitely uh, be something special. Hey, Will, it's Danny. Being that you were fishing at home and trying to kind of save some of those places, how big of an impact did uh, spectators and folks like that have on it? Did you have a crowd or, around you that were rooting for you or spying on you or what? Um, yeah, I mean, I had a couple of my buddies follow me and watch me fish, but uh, at the weigh-in, I had a huge support system, and it was it was so awesome, so awesome. Well, good deal. Yeah, as far as the – you said you've been fishing all the years. Then when did you and your dad start fishing on the lake? Grew up out uh, there? I when I it? was – yes, sir. My first tournament was out, at, uh, out of Cedar Creek, um, which is a uh, creek right below Beeswax. And so my first my first tournament was out of uh, out of there, and it was a Tuesday nighter with my dad. And, uh, yeah, I have a lot of lot – of, special uh, memories from that uh like in my head i promise you that a lot a lot of tournaments a lot of riding pontoon boats and thinking brush over the years and catfishing so it's it's my home lake you know if i go to go fishing or go to the water it's it's gonna be low lake so yeah so with your extensive knowledge of this lake uh and i know you were trying to keep certain things protected and whatnot but how did you uh, approach official practice i didn't fish a lot of uh a lot of places that i knew i was gonna fish during the tournament um i just kind of rode and checked some places early in the morning um to, for shad spawns but besides that i didn't practice on hardly anything nothing that i fished during the tournament i never I never cast so in practice. So were you looking for, was your approach more about, you know, certain spots, certain locations, or was it about just trying to find spots for a, 
for a certain particular presentation? Yes, sir. So what I did, I tried to find them a back backup plan as far as like brush wise, and I found some good key brush piles and caught some couple big ones um, in them in practice. And I tried that the last day, you know, and it just did not pan out. So um, I was glad them uh, current fish played the whole time because <laughs> if I had to rely on them brush piles, it would not have been good. So based on what you know, other anglers were saying, it seemed that lay was going to be tough, which I'm not sure if that's what you, if you came to that same conclusion or not, but how much did you think it would take to win this event? Uh, I knew it would take 15 pounds a day in my head, so 60 pounds. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Hey, Will, in regards to like the field size, I'm guessing being from there, you've probably fished in bigger local events, right, in terms of, of number of boats on a given day, but Talk a little bit about fishing against the Elite Series multi-days on at home versus uh, a one- or two-day jackpot down there with your dad. Yes, sir. So the Elite Series, you know, you just can't burn up all your fish on day one um, or day two or day three. So that was definitely an advantage for me. You know, if it was a one-day tournament, I felt like I could have had, you know, that 20 to 22 pounds on the first day. Um, but with the Elite Series... I had to manage it because them guys, they're going to catch them every day. And I just knew if I could stay between that 15 to 17 pound range every day, I, you know, I'd be in business. And with that 18 pounds I had the second day, that that, that anchored the win right there. Didn't know at the time, but um, that's what really got it done. Did you lean on them harder to get that 18, or did it just happen? No, sir. Right. It just happened. They, I, I hit a few key little areas that I hadn't hit on day one, and I caught a couple of good ones. Uh, the weather permitted just right for that. We had uh, we had a good uh, uh, little front come through. It was raining a little bit, and it just made them bite. You know, I seen them. I seen them there on my homing bird before that, and. Uh, they just wouldn't buy it, but something to do with that little front. Lay Lake's a weird lake. They uh, they definitely uh, key into to areas and, and they bite when that storm system comes through. So I knew that in my head. So I just went ahead and hit them key areas real quick, like so, and it paid off. Fortunately, yeah, I'd say that's great. So. I want to go back to the very beginning of the morning of day one, you know, tell us what was going through your mind as you, as you were preparing to launch on day one. Did you have any butterflies, anything like that? Absolutely. Especially when CBS 42 news comes down there and wants to shoot an interview with you right before you blast off. <laughs> so yes, sir. Yeah. Kind of, uh, which I was, you know, I was prepared for something like that and, uh, it all went good and, you know, I really didn't. I really didn't get nervous until uh, the weigh-in on the final day. That's when I got really nervous. Okay. So sticking with day one, you know, you mentioned you were expecting about fifteen pounds it would take to win. You had fifteen fourteen, uh, but it put you in seventh place. So was was seventh kind of a surprise or what you were expecting or or what? Yes, sir. I figured I'd be in at least the top fifteen with that, okay. or the, at least the top twenty. But I knew that the way this lake handles the grass fish or shallow fish up here on that lower end, which the guys were targeting, they just don't hold up for a multi-day deal down here. Um, you know, with that being said, if Brandon Paul and Nick wouldn't have had a dead fish, I wouldn't have won. Or if Jason Christie didn't lose his big fish, um, I wouldn't have won. So it all worked out, you know. Um, it was God's plan for me to win. That's all I can say because you have to have everything go your way to win one of these events. Yeah, that's you something that shows up on a lot of the, the, the different programs as far as the, the key inflection points throughout a day and, and, you know, not only what affected the angler, but what affected the other competitors. And you're right, when it's your time, it's your time. And uh, got a lot of people attribute to the, that to their faith, and I think that's fantastic. A lot of times, uh, the guys that feel like they're not fishing alone are the guys that are catching a lot of fish. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Now you mentioned day two, uh, you, you um, catching your biggest bag on day two. Um, and you mentioned uh, hitting a few different holes here, but did you more or less stick with the game plan that you had created prior to day one, or did you make some tweaks after fishing day one? Um, I tried to stick with the, you know, what I found on day one. I actually started doing that, throwing the spook on them, on that gas farm place. They didn't bite. They were blowing up everywhere. But besides that, um, I just run back up there and start fishing tail race. You know, the second day I weighed in all spotted bass for the whole the whole day. And every day uh, besides that, I weighed in, you know, at least one large mouth um, a day. But day, day two, I weighed in all spotted bass from the dam up there. So day three, um, another solid day. You're, you're still on track. But you know, you mentioned Jason Christie uh, earlier, and he caught that the, I think the biggest bag of the tournament on day three. Did that put any stress in your pursuit for the win? Oh yes, especially when Matt Heron comes up to me and says, "Oh, you better catch them tomorrow." Hey, these guys, these guys, they they a different breed, and I'm like, "Matt, I already know that. <laughs> you ain't got to tell me that." So uh, um, I knew I had to catch them. I didn't have no. Uh, 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 no choice. So, and at one o'clock, the final day, you know, only having four fish, really only three, um, and to go in there the last hour um, to catch a couple of big ones, you know, with a jerk bait in between, having a hook in my hand and everything else, you know, it was just, it was meant to be for sure. Is 23 pounds and, and or maybe even a nine pounder uh, somewhat common? Not well, this is not a nine pounder stuff being super common, but is that somewhat expected on Lay Lake, or is it just one of those things just have to really work right for, for Jason Christie to catch 23 pounds? I've never caught a nine pounder on the lake. They live there. Okay. They live there. There's been a lot of guys every year. There's at least one to two, eight to nine pounders weighed in, and a lot of seven. So they live there. They live there. I've got a buddy that actually holds a weight record as far as in a tournament, and it almost weighed uh, 12 pounds. Oh, wow. Yes, sir. He caught it on a bud bait. Told me he thought it was a stripe until he got it in the net. So he was actually <laughs> fishing a solo a solo tournament. Now, yep. Now, does, does 23 pounds, is, is that a, a good weight for, for uh, lay, or is that kind of like, you know, on a good day, that, that might still not be enough for, like, let's say a one-day one day, uh, weekend uh, event? Uh, one day, yeah, yeah, twenty three. I take, I take twenty three pounds, and never okay. put the boat in year round. Yes, sir. But I have seen guy. I mean, I had twenty six, twenty six down there uh, three years ago in May in a tournament. Okay. And then I had twenty, almost twenty four pounds last year. So, what's your best bag out of Lee? Just whether it's fun fishing or what for tournaments or what? It was tournament twenty six, twenty six. But okay. I had uh. Yes, sir. I had uh, two seven-pounders and a five and four and a three, so or whatever that, what something like that. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> it's twenty-six, twenty-six. That's the biggest bag I ever had for sure. <laughs> well, you talk about your history there at the lake and stuff. Tell us a little bit about uh, your path from the nation to here. Was that the plan all along? Like, were you were you planning to? Yes, sir. Fish your way in, and were you fishing opens also, or did you just start with the nations, and that was enough to get you there? When I got home from college, I worked for a long time. And then 2017, I fished the Open, Southern Opens, and um, had had one bad tournament, my first first tournament in my bass career at Harrisshine. I finished 66th or 69th down there. And that cost me making the Elite Series that year by, I finished like 11th in points. And... Yeah, I was like, uh, and I thought, well, you know, give it a try next year, which I didn't. I fished, you know, just locally around here for three, four years. And then I I fished a nation too, but I really wanted to make it about three years ago. And I made the South Super Regional, the one that uh, Matt Robertson won at Okeechobee, mm-hmm. which got him to, through and all that stuff. I think he actually made it through the Opens, but – he won that tournament, and I didn't do good at that one. So two years fast forward, I fished it again and uh, made the regional and uh, or the state team. 
and then won the, the regional and then won the national championship last year. And then it qualified me for the leads, which was my ultimate goal. You know, my ultimate goal truly was fish the Bassmaster Classic just one time in my life where I died. And then I was fortunate enough to win to get me the Elite Series berth on top of that. So it was uh, it's pretty special uh, winning that national championship. Oh, I bet. You know, that's the thing that I kind of wanted to hit on. You know, you did the, uh, you know, I guess in some states they, there's a top eight and then the state team and the regional. So you did that whole path. And there's a lot of guys out there that have done that. Uh, but they haven't done all the fishing you've done on the front side, right? So you you find this opportunity and you make it and you get the invitation for the elites and you'd done a lot of a lot of fishing prior to that. Did you feel like you were ready coming from the nation to the elites? Did you feel like you were ready? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and here's one reason. These guys in Alabama, we have a different system down here. We have what I call reservoir fishing which is like a steel lake kind of like lake martin then you have the coosie chain and then you have like gunnersville and if you can win just about at every one of them uh, with these caliber of fishermen that live locally you're 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 pretty much ready to roll so and i got where i could do that for about two two three years you know consistently and i knew it was time to pull the trigger and see where she hit that's awesome. You know, I, that was exactly what what I was kind of thinking about is that you had the prep work in. I think that there's there's a scenario where somebody could win that national championship that maybe uh, didn't have all the, you know, didn't have the pedigree and the time on the water. And I've often wondered if a nation champ, you know, I know you and Brandon, obviously it can happen, right? You guys were standing one and two on the stage, but I think you guys are, are you guys are the exception, not the rule. And I think a lot of people aspire to, to do what you did and maybe wouldn't be as prepared as you were. So, uh, you know, congratulations on putting your mind to it and getting it done. And, and uh, David and I were talking, you know, to go from the a nation champ to uh, th this was event number five and you got your victory. So that that's real cool. We both we both thought that was great. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's a lot of hard work. People just see us weighing in and stuff, but. It took a lot of sacrifice on my family's part and um, a lot of hours on the water. And it started when I was seven years old, fishing my first tournament out of Cedar Creek, you know. So is that your best piece of just overnight. Right. Is that your best piece of advice you could give to those other aspiring nation guys is, is get your fishing in before you get there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you have your homework done before you get ready for the, you know, for the test is given. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's the rule. That's the rule. You got to, you got to put in your time if you want to succeed in this sport. These guys are the best and the, are the best, but you also have to have a good backing, a good backing, a good family backing, you know, or somebody that can really take care of you, you know, um, because without support, I don't see how a guy can make it. I really don't. Right. I feel like I heard a little one there with you uh, a while ago. So I did. Her, her, mama, her mama had a headache, so I, I grabbed her when we was walking outside. I brought her over here to her grandma's. So. And how old is she? <laughs> She's 11 months old. Mm. Okay. So maybe some of that new baby mojo mixed in there going from the nation to the <laughs> Elite Series win over the past – few months too so there it is again that always Absolutely. seems to show up i think it's new dads yes, know sir. new dads know they have to catch them it's a it's a different kind of pressure <laughs> i don't know that it's a a blessing from the the stork so to speak i think it's a different type of fire in the dad's belly but we'll see yes sir i agree my wife says she's a good look charm and i agree i agree <laughs> So going back to uh, I guess the the, the main the, the event on on lay here just as you uh, get ready for day four I guess looking at day four um, first question is with that is did you ever feel that Brandon was out of reach since he had led from day one so far going to day four I felt like in my mind that I know that late well enough and I can't believe them fish held up for day three um, let alone day four. So that just shows you what kind of caliber fisherman he is. So my hat's off to him because I never thought a guy would finish second out of beeswax. Never did. I knew he would catch him in there for two days, but not four days. 
Now, are you surprised with the way how he was catching him as well? Like with, with the drop shot as his primary weapon there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ain't nobody around here do that. That's all I <laughs> figured. That's all I figured. Here. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, if they ain't biting something with a big line up in there or, or something of that nature, they, uh, they're not getting caught. So he caught the smart ones. So okay. that makes him very, very smart. Yes, sir. He, he knows <laughs> he's the one of the best in the world. So, and he, he shows it on a daily basis. So day four, you know, uh, the, you know, you weigh in and so you're on the hot seat because you're leading at the moment. Brandon comes up, you know, tell us what was going through your mind as Brandon was putting his fish. I know there was a storm coming in, but I know that uh, all win is on the line here. So what was going through your mind as Brandon's putting his fish on the scales? Oh, you know, I, I just went numb. Just, I was flashing back in my mind, you know, telling myself, you've done everything you could do. If you lose by an ounce or win by an ounce, you've done all, or tie, you've done everything that you knew how to do. And I just left it all up to the big man upstairs. That's all I could do. And when I, when I figured out I won, man, I, I jumped and had a good time, man. It was a lot of, lot of years for that one moment. And I soaked it in for sure. Now, I can't remember, because since this is a storm, I'm assuming you guys, there was no drive-through. So you guys sat in the back. Did you have a chance to see what type of bag Brandon had sitting in his uh, in his uh, weigh-in bag? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, uh, he told me, he said, he said, you got them? I said, man, I said, I got probably 14 pounds. He said, man, it's going to be close, but I'm pretty sure you got it, because I, I got Rapala, or what it needed to say Rapala. He just said, I have scales, and they're pretty much dead on. And uh, he said, if you got 14 pounds, you're going to win. Um, he said, I also have a dead fish. Mm-hmm. So, but in my back of my mind, I'm like, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, I'm sitting there nervous because I'm just ready for it to be over with and figure out who's going to win, you know. So I had no idea that I was going to win. Would you have been satisfied if, it, if, it, if you end up taking second in the end there? Would that have been okay with you? Or would you uh, was- yeah, absolutely. 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 Because, you know, I, to be a rookie and to come up here and to win a tournament at my fifth event, you know, it, you know, I have put in my time, but not like some of them guys have, but I'm not just going to lay down and give them the tournament away by no means, but it had been fine knowing the guy that Brandon is super nice, humbled individual, that puts in his time more than anybody I've ever seen in this sport. Um, and he's got, he's got a new, new baby. Um, so he, he deserved it. Hmm. So if he were one, I would have been super happy for him. So tell us, uh, run, run us through the baits uh, and the setups that you used for, uh, to take the win here. I know you mentioned a spook earlier, but go, yeah, go through what you use uh, uh, for this particular event. So I started off with a Davis uh, bait company swim jig. It's a new one we got called the Beast, and it's a blue glimmer. Um, I was actually using a uh, twin tail, like a Zoom Z Crawl Junior on it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that swim jig is called the Beast. Um, I was just throwing a 65 pound test braid with a seven um, four heavy MMA rod. Um, and the die was the Tula. Uh, I was swimming with eight to one because when they hit it most time on that lake, they swim right at you. I don't know why, especially the real, real shallow fish. So you had to get leverage on them before they get leverage on you or they're going to throw it. Um, and then I caught them on a uh, fighting frog with a quarter ounce, just regular bullet weight lead um, on the bed. And then I caught the bulk of my fish. I caught, well, I caught one on a spook that I weighed in. Um, but the, the majority of my fish that I weighed in, <coughs> excuse me, came on a Davis, uh, shaky worm, uh, green pumpkin and a Davis shaky head, which is called the little wheels, three sixteenths. And that was also green pumpkin. Um, I was throwing, um, 15 pound cigar with a 7-1 heavy uh, MMA rod. Um, and then I was 
caught them on the shaky fish. Um, I caught two big ones that I weighed in on the shaky fish, um, or three big ones. Um, that's a uh, Davis Bay County makes that, and the the minnow that I was putting on there was a X uh, X swim fat minnow bait fish color. Um, that set up right there um, with that plastic on that bill material and that hook and everything, it quivers just like the bait up there at these dams. And they, they can't stand it when you get around one. Um, with that setup, I was throwing a 7.3 medium heavy uh, MMA rod. And I was throwing that with 15 pound test cigar uh, red label with um, a 7.3 dial with the, uh, Tatula. And that's actually the SB series on that one. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was the four key baits for the, for the tournament besides, you know, the spook deal, but I only caught one on that. So. Now I, I remember, I think on day four, I mean, there's a, there's a clip, I think it was a jerk bait that you also had tied yeah, on yeah, too. Yes, sir. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I caught, caught two on a jerk bait last day, uh, last hour. And that was a long gay, uh, bomber. It was like a chartreuse full with some gamagatsu hooks. I changed the hooks out on it. Um, uh, they're bad. They're bad boys. They went through my hand real quick, like. <laughs> and they, they, so they were they were number size number four. They were uh, EWGs. Um, yeah, they're sharp. Very sharp. So they heard as bad coming out as they do going in, huh? Absolutely, because I had to push it through the way the, the shank was. I could not get get the tie right and pop it out. So, yes, sir. So tell, tell what this jerk bait, because you mentioned it's a bomber along it, and I, I like throwing jerk baits, but I, I've, for me, I'm, uh, it's been a long time since I've, I've heard that bomber name come up. So why, why the bomber long A in this particular scenario? Uh, my dad taught me when I was – very young in my career, probably 15 or 16, we was fishing for some fish on the bed, and they wouldn't bite. And he said, I want to show you this trick. I said, all right, show me. You know, I know everything at 15, you know. <laughs> um, he whooped out this bomber, and it's a, it's a floater. So you throw it up there and let it sit. So when they come by, you kind of lead them, kind of like a shotgun with a dove or something or a dove. Mm-hmm. So you let them, when they're coming back to the bed, and it's sitting there floating. You jerk it down. They don't even know it's there. So when you go to jerk, 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 they think it's a, a, a brim up there. And, uh, buddy, <laughs> they'll come over and smoke it. <laughs> smoke it. So it's a fun bite. It's my last resort, though, on a bed and fish. Okay. Because of the fact that you can lose them or you can snag them in the side of the head. Mm. And that's all. That's. But when you got – and I didn't do that during the tournament. So – yeah, you can see I, both of them fish I had was it was wedged in their mouth. <laughs> so, yep, 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 yep. So that's why I don't. That's my last resort. But when you got thirty minutes to go, <laughs> you're gonna try whatever you got to make them bite. Mm-hmm. And it made the difference uh, too. Made all the difference. Yes, sir. It made it. Yes, sir. That's cool. Yes, sir. So absolutely. You mentioned the. Um, using a swim jig earlier and I'm from Wisconsin. So I'm a bit familiar with the swim jig, but, but you guys do a weird thing down there in Alabama called the Alabama shake when it comes to using a swim jig. And for me, I, I seen it like a long time ago. I tried it once it wears the heck out of my wrist. So I don't bother. I keep it simple. Uh, like how we fish it up here in Wisconsin, but uh, give us a breakdown about the, the purpose of the Alabama shake when you're using the, using it with a swim jig. Uh, it just makes that, action look more natural like a fish or like a crayfish is you know when they swim kind of like how they they kick with their their tail or whatever um so it just looks more natural to you especially when you're fishing grass with it when you're pumping it we call it pumping a jig um it makes a lot of noise a lot of i guess reaction look to that fish that's up under that mat so it really draws them out to it so most of my most of the fish hit it when it's got a pocket, just like a frog, like mm-hmm. a pocket inside the weeds uh, or right on the edge of it. So I try to kill it when I get to the edge and let it fall. Like the first day when I caught that one big one on swim jig, I threw it up there and reeled it to the edge, popped it, popped it, and then let it fall. And she run out and just just got it. Like couldn't even see my jig. So, yes, sir. That's why we do that. So is that something that you guys do pretty much year round if it's, if you're throwing the swim jig or is it just during certain times of the year? 
Just certain times of year, this time of year. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, you know, when it's colder, I don't try to do I just throw it up there and reel it and let the, let the uh, trailer do its work, you know. Okay. So I want something more subtle. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, back to that fat man over that's on that shaky fish. It's not out yet, but it will be out in a couple of weeks. Okay. Is that was that exp- yes, was that sir. was that a plan? Was that a plan release, or yes. is it because of, or is it because of uh, this event too that's kind of pushed that timetable up? Yes, sir. Yeah, it really, really wasn't planned. I mean, it was that we was going to come out with the minnows whether I want or not, um, okay. because all these are ha- all these are hand poured, so oh, they're okay. exact. <laughs> these are these are exact. Yeah. So, yes, sir. So. First year, I was going to say, so are you going to be busy pouring or you got other obligations? <laughs> uh, uh, whatever I'm told to do. Might pour some. <laughs> Might pour some, some. Yes, sir. Yeah, you go making hand, hand poured, hand dipped style baits famous and uh, you're creating a lot of work, which is a good thing for the family business, I'm sure. Yes, sir. Ain't no doubt. Ain't no doubt. Yeah, it feels good to win on my dad's products. You know, we don't get no better than that. No, I'd have to agree. That that's a pretty cool full circle moment right there. Yes, sir. So it's it's your first year. We all know Danny kind of touched about uh, earlier. It's your first year, so it's your rookie year as an as an elite series angler. Uh, not looking at the results because the results look pretty good so far, but just looking at the experience of fishing at the top level, has it met your expectations? I mean, I, I don't know what you were expecting going in. Were, were you just expecting just to get by, or but, but just looking at it so far, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that um, I'm very blessed to be in this position leading the rookie of the year because of these rookies that's on the rookie uh, side of the deal, they're, they're hammers, and um, they show it. So that being said, I just really wanted to, you know, win rookie of the year, make mm-hmm. the Bassmaster Classic, and do good in, in, you know, at least half of the tournaments. That was my, that was my goal. Um, and that's still my goal for the rest of the season. You know, can't never let up because these guys are the best in the world and they show it. So, and they had, do have an advantage on me. I've never been to Spain. I've never been up north. Um, I've never been to Lake Murray. I've never been to Santee Cooper. I've never been to Seminole. So the only two places I've been on the whole, the whole schedule has been Lay Lake and Okeechobee. Okay. Well, you mentioned leading rookie of the year, but you're also sitting sixth in AOI. So, did you think that you would be sitting so high on the on the, yeah, the overall rankings? Just five events in? No, sir, I did not not have a not have a clue. You know, I'm just very blessed to be in that position. Um, as Brandon's having uh, Cobb, he's having one heck of a year. <laughs> um, he, I think he's one of the very few guys. I mean, like I said, but. I think your worst finish so far was a 50-something, and that was at CNT. So that's like your worst finish. But, I mean, other than that, you had a pretty stellar year as well. It can be almost comparable to what Brandon Cobb is having. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, it'll get better throughout the years, you know, once I get my foot on some of these lakes. But you just have to fish your strengths, you know, when you go to these lakes. you got to look at the, the water temperature, uh, read up on these lakes, what the forge is, and uh, whether it's a drawdown lake, and so on and so forth. You know, current base, what 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 the deal is, and put your time in. That's all you can do. Um, because if you just go into these lakes, not doing your homework, it will show come tournament time. Mm-hmm. And Sabine's a different monster now. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to break a lot of hearts out there. It always so- does. If you go back and look at it, look so, at the, you know results. So, how do you think Will Davis will do there then? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I I can't tell you an answer. Okay, I can't tell you an answer. I'm gonna go give it all I got, and uh, all I can do. Uh, Have you been out there to see? I really it don't know about that one. Never seen it. Hmm. Never seen it. So I, I, rivers, I didn't go though. practice over there. Sorry. Like, I said, do you like rivers? Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So, 
besides the Sabine, I know you mentioned going up north. How does Will Davis feel about smallmouth? I'm excited about that because Lake Martin is the reservoir that we have right down here below us, 30 minutes from here. But it don't have smallmouth in it, but it has spotted bass in there. They have some of the same traits. Um, and I catch a lot of fish down there drop shot and jerk bait, spook type deal, whether it be over 30 foot of water or 50 foot of water with a drop shot out of brush or rocks. So I feel good about it. I just have to figure out what areas that's going to win that tournament. That's going to be the biggest deal there. Okay. So you're not, so a drop, I mean, yeah, spinning rod's not going to be too out of the ordinary. At least it sounds like you're at least somewhat more comfortable with that. Cause then a lot of you Southern guys, uh, the fairy one's kind of a no-no for some guys. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. They always say, oh, yeah, yeah, you can't win no, no fairy one. But I've won a lot of money in Alabama with a, with some big-eyed rods, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I know. I thank you so much again, Will. I know that uh, you know you're a busy guy. I, I, I'm very thankful for you making the time for us because I'm pretty sure your schedule is uh, over the next few days, especially without an event being on the on the calendar within next week here. But um, thank you for joining us again. Congratulations on just winning. I'm assuming the celebration is still going to keep on going for the remainder of the week here. But thanks for joining us, uh, Will. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure, y'all, uh, being on the show with y'all, and uh, thank you for taking the time to have me on. All right, all right. Thanks a lot, right. Will. Yep. Safe travels to Orange, yes, there, right? Yes, sir. Y'all, uh, y'all take care. Mm -hmm. all, right. all right, there you have it, folks. The latest winner from the Lay Lake event, Will Davis Jr. Danny, another guy who wins it on, on a home body of water. Uh, we've seen it in the past. I mean, it's becoming a little bit more common, but we still know that it's just because you have home field advantage, it doesn't mean that you'll do well, let alone win. So were you sub a bit surprised that Will was able to pull it on the end? I mean, he was still within striking distance, but again, Brandon was leading it day to day. I mean, wire to wire, wire up until that very last moment uh, as you know they were weighing the fish there. I just feel like the length of competition, um, I'd have to go back and look. I don't feel like we've done four days for all that long, but I think that's what you're seeing with this home thing. You've got to have a lot of stuff. When you talk about the caliber of anglers that you're fishing against, the time they put in, how quickly everybody can identify the same stuff, you yeah. know, as far as main lake, community hole, that kind of stuff. You've got such good anglers that can learn so much in so little time. I yeah. think four-day events, having some little knowledge, hidey hole type stuff. I mean, we heard Will say, you know, I didn't go over there. I didn't cast on it. I didn't get seen on it. And, you know, and even mentioned that he, you know, had a little bit of anxiety about spilling the beans to everybody. So, you yeah. know, there, you know, there were some hidden holes. I think that uh, one of the more telling comments I heard out of it was his comment about, you know, what Brandon was able to do. Yeah. You know, he said, well, there's no way that would hold up for an Alabama guys go down to beeswax and they, you know, they make a quick pass and they pull the trolling motor and they're gone. Whereas Brandon was able to uh, fish slow, fish thorough, fish finesse, and mm -hmm. just keep catching them and make four days out of something that the locals deemed, you know, wouldn't hold up. So I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, Will's knowledge played a huge role in it. Yeah. And just, you know, just intimately familiar with, you know, the fact that they've got a, you know, the family's got a, a jig head that shimmies like the bait fish below the dam. Yeah. That's pretty dialed in. <laughs> That's pretty dialed in. Knowing knowing how the bait fish shimmy below the dam, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I think it's great. And I think that uh, I think it's great that uh, to see a nation guy, you know, oh, essentially, yeah. essentially a nation guy do it. And it really struck me seeing the picture of the two of them with their arm around each other, waiting to see which, you know, because I think Brandon has a lot of pride in his nation roots, you know, considers himself a nation guy. And so to yep. see two of them standing there on an elite stage to see who's going to win. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty epic for the, you know, for the weekend warrior guy. That was an epic shot. Yeah. Because uh, like you said, that with, with them being weekend warriors, that's probably the uh, on the bass side, at least that's the closest probably that uh, maybe besides the team option as well, because mm -hmm. uh good amount. Not not not. Well. For the guys that are fishing all nine opens, those guys are probably going to be your typical nine to five guys that have a, you know, that, that are working a day job, you know, religiously and 
can only squeeze in whatever events that they can squeeze in. So definitely with Will doing it from the, the nation side and representing us more, more us regular anglers or, or weekend anglers, that's going to be, uh, that, that's awesome to see, especially just five events in. Cause I know that, like I mentioned in the interview, we are, we see how hard it is for some of these guys, you know, some of these guys win one and they, it's hard for them to do it again. So we know winning isn't going to be easy, but to see, uh, Will have the success and, and, and make that home knowledge work out for him and, uh, and not get pressure, you know, not, not letting the pressure get to him and, and sealing it at, uh, on the day that it counted. So that was awesome to see that. Yeah, it'd be tough, you know, and I didn't ask, but I, uh, Will's a young man too. So he's got a lot of fishing ahead of him. Yep. And it, pretty cool to hear him say that, you know, basically he'd been on two bodies of water, but he was looking forward to being on the elite series. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a testament to confidence and being able to fish because it's just the, the challenge of going and catching them, you know, and, and not need, needing that history. But yeah, I thought it was, you know, I think it's a great story. And uh, we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of young talent, you know, rising up on these different events. And we've had some cool guests this year, uh, all with, you know, unique wins. And the one thing that always comes up is some of those strange strokes of events that lead to a win, right? As yep. far as little things that happen for them or little things that happen to competitors that change the outcome kind of a butterfly effect that ripples through the whole yeah. field and it, it goes back to that whole thing with sometimes you have you know a lot of people that at least on the, on the fishing side of it just there's always that saying that people say that when it's your time to win it's your time to win like you can almost not do anything wrong and right. it just seems things just the, the stars align no matter what so uh but yeah so did you see anything on i did not see the details and i was not watching live when it happened uh on brandon's dead fish i guess it was just something deep hooked and no calling a dead fish. So you open the live well and there it is. And you got a problem then at that point. Yeah. I, I, I haven't had a chance to throw Cause I, uh, obviously, uh, what was it? Cause I watched a good part of it, uh, through, uh, by midday on Sunday, but obviously with it being mother's day, some of the, those festivities kind of, uh, preoccupied my time. So I didn't get a chance right. to, to, um, check out, uh, any of the remainder coverage, uh, live coverage. And then, uh, I, I know for sure I didn't get a chance to check the weigh-in, but from what it sounded like with that storm that was coming in, it made, uh, what was it, the the live coverage of that event pretty horrible anyways. So uh, I don't know if that was actually something that they went into, but I haven't had a chance to follow up on that, though. Yeah, no, I didn't see anything about it. I always feel for those guys that that happens to, you know, whenever. Because yeah. uh, you know that it, fish care is a priority. Uh, bass's fish care, the angler's fish care, mm -hmm. everybody's is. And uh, so it's not like it was... I'm sure it wasn't negligence in any way. It's just one of those things that happens. And, yep. and it's tough whenever the event's that close that, you know, I don't know. And it's also hard too, because if he, if you know, was, it, if it's one of those fish that just happened to die in his live well, and he's got five already, he can't call that, that dead one. So even if right. it's a, if it's, if it's the baby out of the five in there, he can't get rid of it. So for those that don't know, that's one of those rules where you got, if you've got a dead one in your live well, you can't call that one. So. Yeah. And I guess that was the only reason I was asking because you know, as an angler, you've got an opportunity, you know, I know he was throwing a drop shot and, and some light line stuff. Sometimes yeah. you bring those fish in the boat and you know that it's odds of survival are, you know, stacked against it because of how it's hooked or where it's hooked, you know, and it may yeah. not necessarily even be deep, you know, an upside down drop shot hooking the tongue is a, is a lethal, lethal thing, yeah. unfortunately. And I was just curious what the circumstances were, if it was a deal where, you know, he looked at it and thought, no, nah, it'll probably be fine. And then, that wasn't right. Or if it was just a random post-spawn fish that, you know, the stress took it out and you went and opened the live well and you were surprised to see it. Yeah. Cause you know, when, when you bring that hooked fish in and you're looking at it and you're thinking, man, this thing's odds are against it. You still have the luxury of being able to call that fish because it's not dead. Yeah. Right. It's you don't put it in your possession and you, you chuck it back and say, well, I, I've got to find, I got to replace that with a healthier fish. Yeah. And, and so I was just kind of curious if you'd seen how that transpired. Cause there's always a little bit of, chess and decision-making there in that instance. And I'd like to have seen it if, if that was the case, like I said, sometimes you go, you, you put a healthy fish in the live well and you lift the lid an hour later and you got a problem and there's nothing yeah. you can do. So I, I was sure just curious which one it was. And I could see, I could also possibly seeing it too, where, um, let's just say it's one of the bigger fish in Brandon's, uh, creel. And he's like, you know what, I'm not sure if it's going to make it, but it's one of my bigger fish. So I might be willing to take that, small penalty yeah, absolutely that, to, that goes, you know so yeah it goes into that strategy when you're standing yep. there looking at it can i easily replace this obviously you can replace a 13 incher a lot easier than a, yeah. a three pounder yeah so i don't know we went through a little bit of that ourselves this past weekend fishing and 
I was thinking about that some of there were some that, you know, probably could have hauled around, but yeah. I felt like, well, there's going to be an opportunity to catch another line burner like that, that maybe isn't, you know, hook deep or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I think that, uh, him catching those fish and beeswax that way though, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. And it's always, it's always, uh, it's stuff like that, you know, especially when, it, uh, something like that, that, that brings a different perspective. Uh, that's always cool to see uh, uh, when because it's been a lot, quite a while that they've been to lay. So I'm pretty sure it was definitely an eye opener for a lot of the locals that fish that event to see uh, uh, a spinning rod play that heavily and that strongly for that many days in on Lay Lake. Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing our, our listeners can take away from it is that there's absolutely a place for that finesse, or you know, no matter where it's at. Yeah. All right. So with that, it's time for Danny and I to, to make some calls here. So hang in there and we'll be right back. Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment for the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, and lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmanswarehouse.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse. Shop one of over 60 locations. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. Welcome back, everyone. This segment is brought to you by Striking. Save 25% on all Contra Line KVD Perfect Plastics and XD Crankbaits with the code SPRING25 at striking.com. So whether you need Thunder Cricket trailers such as a blade minnow, Ocho stickworms, or you're preparing for a ledge bite with some 10XDs, it's the perfect time to stock up. Just be ready for a bite after you tie one on. So just some a uh, few uh, results from this past weekend here. First one up, I've got the MLF Toyota Series event on Lake Eufaula. And winning that event was Bass Pro Tour angler Justin Lucas. He won that event with 51 pounds and 13 ounces. Staying in Alabama, the Alabama Bass Pro North Division was on Pickwick Lake. And winning that with 21.48 was the team of Lance Whitaker and Jeremy Briscoe. Heading up a bit closer towards Danny's neck of the woods, the ABA D92 Ohio North Division was out on Mosquito Lake. And catching 1724 uh, was Edward Maxwell taking the win there. The best, I'm sorry, the best bass mother load division was fishing on Don Pedro. And with 2265, the team of Dane Mendez and Derek Smith took the win there. And then the last event, if you weren't paying attention to what we've been talking about on the show, uh, the Bassmaster Elite Series were, uh, was fishing out on Lay Lake. And with 62-12, Will Davis took the win there after Brandon Pollock had won, I'm sorry, had led three of the four days there. And then looking out towards this coming weekend here, we've got a few events lined up. Actually, we've got a bunch of them, but a few ones I'm going to uh, showcase this week is the Big Bass Tour. They'll be out on Lake Chickamauga. The MLF BFL Hoosier Division will be fishing on Potoka Lake. The Georgia Bass Trail North Division will be fishing on good old Lake Hartwell. The Midi Bass Mississippi River Teams Division will be fishing on Lake Washington. The Hobie Bass Opens will be on Kentucky Lake. And for those that are 
keeping track the MLF ba uh, Bass Pro Tour is fishing on uh, Lake Gunnersville as and as we record this, um, what was it? Day one of Group A should be should have finished here. And actually, I had it pulled up, but my internet is being a bit slow. But I believe uh, it was a rookie that's leading it. But give me just a second here, see if it loads up here. Yep, sorry. Jacob Wall. He's leading the event with 26 pounds or eight ounces after day one for group A. So as you guys are probably listening, this group B should be practicing. I'm sorry, should be fishing their very first day. Um no important news really besides just uh, uh anything that's been uh, that i've been receiving through the wire has been just upcoming events so nothing really really uh groundbreaking there but one thing i guess i want to ask danny before we end this week's show um i guess i won't go into names but if you were paying attention to social media on monday uh before it got removed uh there was an incident where an elite series pro, pro uh, posted that, that you know he pulled up to his, his first spot on day two of the lay lake event and a fellow angler pulls within that based on the camera angle it looked about 30 or so yards but this angler pulls in just you know 30 or so yards right right behind him uh as this particular angler reaches his own he's getting ready to you know strap his rods and everything and that other angler you know you know pulls up and says you know that it's the spot that he's been catching his fish all, uh all his fish from on the previous day which is day one so my question to you Danny, because I'm not sure if you're on the old school side or what when it comes to this mentality of uh because again this is on day two but then mm -hmm. again, I'm not sure if the mentality is any different, whether it's day one, I mean, sorry, day two to day or, or the final championship day. But what are your thoughts when it comes to like, whether it's giving up the hole to someone who's doing slightly better than you or, or, you know, or again, this guy is not the leader, but. Right. Yeah. So I'm not aware of the incident. I'm aware of plenty of similar incidents. And that's yep. your question, right? Is where do I stand on that? Yep. And, yep. And. I think there's two types of encounters on the water. There's mm -hmm. intentional and unintentional. Mm -hmm. And I look at them much differently. Two guys, one guy's maybe fishing a shallow spot early in the morning and another guy likes it in the afternoon and they decide to, they're going to flip flop, right? For whatever reason of the day. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were here in the morning. Well, I didn't know you were here in the afternoon. However that works out, it works out. And yeah, and I feel like that's much different with the amount of information that can be consumed these days one could think that a person could know a lot of details about you know who's where and when but that'd be shady right because there's no information no outside stuff and yeah you know so i, I guess it would i guess my answer is situational uh, okay. i'm not a, i'm not a fan of you know pirating or hole jumping uh, because you know it's their hole yeah i have been in situations where i may work a stretch that i wasn't aware someone else was working and vice versa yeah. had them come in on me uh, as far as starting on top of each other, that's the one that, I don't know, that that's crazy to me because um, it's just not something we see at the level that I compete at. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as sharing holes or being rubber rail to rubber rail or everybody lining up on the same break, I have not had the pleasure of having to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but I know it's out there. I know it's part of the game and it's something that a person has to adjust to. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's become fairly commonplace to fish with company at that yeah. level. What are your thoughts? See, just to add clarification too, for those that wanted these two guys, are, I know sometimes, you know, like you talk about whole sharing, because there are some guys that, you know, especially at the top level, these guys, when you have partners, roommates that you work with, and you know what, you're struggling, come and fish my spot. This is mm -hmm. this was not one of those scenarios. So, um, so we, I, I don't know, because I believe typically on day two, they flip flop. Mm -hmm. the the launch order if i remember correctly so if yes. you're like towards if you're if you're in the late flight um on day one then you'll be, you'll get the benefit of day two of being early in the flight and so uh, if you know that you get to a hole that you were hoping to get to the day before and you know that you're going to get you weren't going to get there at all that you're going to save for day two uh i understand that that whole approach too but um yeah, I, I don't. We don't know if, if this, if this, uh, if the angle that got there first and then uh, that got you know hole jumped here in a way, or maybe kind of got bullied at least from the very brief clip that um, was shown. If this person decided to stay there or not, but 
I, I lean a bit more towards, like I know, uh, and it's not championship day. So I get some guys will do that too. If they know that they totally stunk it up and there, there's almost no way uh, of them salvaging a semi-decent finish to at least get a good paycheck out of it. But I guess that, that's where I, I, I kind of like stand where you're fishing. This is your, your, your day job for most of these guys and you're fishing for a lot of money. And I'm not saying they're giving up, but it's like, for you to just simply relinquish and say, you know what, fine, just fish a spot. It's like, you know, I'm not saying that, that that this person gave up, but it's one of those where, you know, we're used to, you know, you you fish all day and you fish tough and you, you work hard for what you do. So that's where I probably would have been like, well, hey, you know, I found this spot too. Maybe because we know even in, we've, we, we supposed to hear all the time too, where I didn't see you in practice, but we know that some of these bodies of water are so big and everyone's hopping from spot to spot, especially during practice. So we don't know. Uh, it's, it's one of those where we never, it's never happened across paths, but we end up finding the same stuff because we see all the time the best anglers in the world for some reason end up coming in the same, finding the same exact stuff same exact, you know, not just the same area, but the same exact location more or less as well. So, right. um, so I look at it as, you know, if it's, if it's, it's, you know, especially with, uh, knowing that this person, yeah, the person that hole jumped him was in the top 10, I think, but he wasn't leading it. Yeah. He could have had a chance of winning, but for you to, if I was in the angler who got hole jumps shoes, I probably, be like, Hey, you know what? I'm still trying to do well. I think this person was in the fifties. So it was still within, you know, possible earshot of doing well if they catch the right fish. Cause we saw with Jason Christie, he caught 23 pounds. So you never know what, what type right. of bag will come out of there. But, but yeah, I, I lean more towards the, uh, the, the line that unless it's championship day. And I know that, you know what, I'm like 10 pounds out of it. And I know that I, my best bag was only 15. So yeah, you can go ahead and have it maybe, but I, I would have been like, you know what? I got here first, man, you know, and I had the later, I mean, I had a later flight and I got here just before you did. I'm going to stick it out and hopefully try to salvage again. It's not just about money too, it just from this particular event, but you're also looking at the long picture, right? Cause a lot of these guys, the minimum goal for them is what a Bassmaster classic or a, a qualification, because I know for some guys that right. might be a, it might be a contractual um, bonus if they make that, you know? Sure. So, sure. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, everybody, it's high stakes at that level. You figure what yeah. they've got and just everything invested in the event. Um, yeah, I agree not to just lay down and leave it. And I do agree that, you know, there's some differences on final days and and given the person with the shot, the ability that it's a lot of gray, you know, ultimately it comes yeah. down to character. It comes yeah. down to the character and the scenario. And, and the other side of it is, is um, whatever, however a person falls or decides on that, uh, you got to respect that you could be on the other side of the, you know, have the shoe on the other foot somewhere down the road. Yeah. You know, so if you're willing to do it to somebody, then you got to take it in stride when somebody does it to you. And I guess if you're unwilling to do it, there's still a good chance somebody's going to do it to you and you got to take that in stride as well. So yeah. I know I'm, I'm oblivious to the incident, but you've got me, you got my sniffer going. I'll have to see what I can <laughs> sniff out and find out because now I want to know the, the context of what happened for sure. Yeah. The, the, the post, uh, it got deleted within a couple hours. So it's, it's no longer out there, but you know, it was out there for a little bit longer. And then, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, someone from bass came in and, and kind of say, Hey, can you remove that or something else or this person? If, if maybe uh, it's just uh, a conscience, maybe they just yep. needed to vent for a minute and got it out there and said, ah, this doesn't look good on me. I got to get it out of here. Yeah. So I know there's been a lot of that going around this past couple of weeks of different things. So, <laughs> you know, I get it. Uh, but yeah, just a little bit, not, not that we're trying to be controversial, but just trying to get, I know, uh, like I said, people have their own different takes on it. And uh, me being a little bit more newer to the, especially compared to a lot of more diehard people, a little bit newer to the, uh, what was it? The, the bass, the, the, the top tier levels type stuff. I, my, my, my approach and understanding is maybe a little bit more not non-conventional. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing I will say is that we are seeing a shift when you look at I talked to a good friend in Texas who's wired in the tournament circuits there. And you start talking about these high school events that are drawing two, three, 400 boats. Oh yeah. And in that environment, the, these, these young anglers, some of their first experiences are, uh, you know, rubber rail to rubber rail, community holes crowded, that kind of thing. And, yeah. um, you know, a guy like me or a guy like Will that we just talked to, who's been mm -hmm. bass fishing since they were eight. Um, that wasn't cool. Yeah. Right? That wasn't cool. And that was not the norm for us. So, uh, more senior general, more senior fishermen, such as ourselves, you know, we're not old, we're still, we're still young guys, but with that history, we're going to have a different 
understanding of what is culturally accepted on the water. Yeah. Versus the anglers that we're raising today in these multi, you know, several hundred boat events and the stuff that we've got going on there, I think has given them a much different first impression of bass fishing, not only bass fishing, but bass fishing etiquette. Yeah. Uh, as what the previous generations have had. Yeah. So that there's that, you know, and we're seeing some of that too with uh, the landowners and the dock owners and that kind of stuff. You know, there's, yeah, there's different cultures coming together on the water. Yeah. But yeah, just want to get into that again. You know, it was something that was a bit interesting. I mean, we, we, who knows? It might happen a lot more and we just didn't know it, but I just thought that it was a bit, um, uh, you know, a bit not surprising, but interesting to see that something like that happened again. Uh, in this case too, it was just, it was within, you know, 10, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards or so. It might've been a little bit more, but you know, typically if you see something like that, I know with me in the past where I've, where if someone beat me to a spot, I see, let's go a couple hundred yards down. You know, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's a stretch where I feel that that's where I, I, I have the most confidence and to start that morning, I'll go a couple hundred yards down instead of, you know, 50, 60 yards or so, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, I, that's a, that's a decent buffer. You know, if we're talking to stretch a bank and and I've been in those situations, you yeah. pull up, somebody's starting in the same place you wanted to start. Well, yeah. you had a place that you wanted to end on that stretch. Yeah. So you go down to the, the that end and fish towards them, right? And you yeah. each get each get half of it. And then you give each other dirty looks and you fish their used <laughs> water and they fish yours. Yeah. That's yeah. common in the Midwest where we're yeah. at. Yeah. You know, and, and we fish some of the tributaries that we fish. They're so small that you got lots of people oh, yeah. 50 yards of you. Yeah. You know, so I'd have to see that too. I guess that's the other part of the the subjectiveness of it, you know, yeah. how big was the the embayment they were in and, or was it a main ledge or I don't know. <laughs> right now I got to do some internet sleuthing, David. I'll, I'll do some sleuthing. Uh, all right. So with that, to end on that there, it's time for me and Danny to put this particular podcast back on the trailer. So thank you all again for listening to this particular uh, podcast and for your support. Thank you to the sponsors and partners that help make the insider podcast happen. Again, folks, make sure you take advantage of the Strike King sale out there on the website with the code SPRING25. That's S-P-R-I-N-G-2-5. And with that, for Danny, we will catch you all on our next show. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.